Welcome back to another edition of Pro Football. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was one day. We're still going. We're letting this go. I shot a bite by tongue. We got Lito 5, Ross in the studio, Chris, Chad, join us virtually. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, Good to see you guys. First off, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and Boot Crew Media. Um, Lito, let's get right in. First off, you sprained your ankle. When did you sprain your ankle today? This yesterday. Happened? Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It tried to take me out like Jaja did uh, Kawhi back in back in his head. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> let's just get. <laughs> Who's your main trade target moving forward off season? Fuck. Oh man. What a wild way to start. I know. Like, I can't. I, 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 yeah. I've lost all my train of thought. I've Jesus lost Christ. all my train of thought. Jesus Christ. He ain't even like. We ain't even lay up. We ain't even lay up. He ain't even warm it up. Let's get right to it. Just getting there. Just kidding. Keep going. Yo. 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 <laughs> Go ahead, bro. It's a disaster. Oh, this is hilarious. Um, <clears throat> Kevon Looney. <laughs> really, this motherfucker didn't had. I'm sorry, Lala. Dang, dang. Started off, I, mm. Jesus. This dude didn't had like I want to say five games in this series with 20 rebounds. Like that is wild, <laughs> bro. Can we please get? Can we please get somebody who will just get on this team and like just play their role? Hey, he's oh, a, oh. he's an interesting guy. Before you go, because he like he doesn't. Lo- he looks uncoordinated a little bit. And he doesn't play that much. And somehow he still does a pretty damn good job, like, switching on to people. Like, he, he somehow makes it work. Wait, Ross, I don't know if you know this, but he's KD Light. Ain't that right, Chris? We gonna, All right, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about a guy like Kevon Looney. But will this, you know, will this team use him in the correct fashion? <laughs> I mean, that that still remains to be unsolved, you know? like we. Yeah. And listen, he's also the 39th highest paid center in the NBA. Yeah, I think we talked about this. Somebody needs, you know, we need to go towards a center that, you know, is low maintenance, right? Can rebound, can screen. I think he has a really high basketball IQ. Um, he plays his role. He can finish. Um, he can switch to play off. But again, what he can do? He can switch. No, no, before that. Oh man, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> All right, cool. Um. He, you say he could finish at the rim, but uh, we yo, but, oh. but yo, we, but yo, no, like seriously, I think that I think that like, as far as like, moving on from JV, right? Like, getting a dude who's a who's a good interior passer, who's like super low maintenance, like he don't he don't even look for his shot, but we'll get eleven points and have twenty two rebounds. Like, had a steal, was playing great D on Sabonis. I look forward to him playing. I look forward to that next series because I want to see the defense that he plays on AD. I'm sure he'll play him well. Like, I, I think that, like, I think Chad said this uh, a pot ago, like, you get a low a low value guy who's going to overperform. Mm. And he plays a lot. He played, I think, I think he's like yeah. maybe top. Y'all, y'all brought last year he played every game. I think yeah. he's like one of the few dudes yeah. that, and, yeah, him and, and he might have played every, he might have played every game this year too. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing that. I don't know if it was Chaz or Lito. I'll get Chris in here, but he, he mentioned Alex Len. Um, yeah, he has. He's actually a free agent coming up. But Chris, who would you who would you want to target here? Who's your trade target here in the offseason? 
Um, I mean, I think I think the I'm going around a, a bounder about the route that uh, five and Lito was talking about. And just I think they, they got to figure out the center position. So um, there's a bunch of different, I think, routes you can go. I've seen, you know, Jared Allen being named as mentioned. Miles Turner is always in a discussion. But um, I mean, you could it can be a low a low uses guy. It can be someone that we're not thinking about. It could be. You know, I remember Isaiah Hardenstein was a guy last year who was, you know, kind of he went from flying under the radar to being overrated. And once it came down to actually making a move around for agency time, I think a guy they just have to figure out that position and make it simple enough to where um, it's not going to complicate. Like we can pencil this individual in barring, uh, you know, a crisis at hand or the individual just really playing down to its uh, to its talent level, we can pencil that individual and make it easier for the people that's pulling the strings in, in regards to the rotations. But you figure the center position was one of the bigger, I think, issues um, when it came to this team, for better or for worse. They got to figure that out. And I think it's a bunch of different avenues that you can go, um, you know, moving forward. Do y'all think John Collins is <clears> – <throat> going to be a target we'll go ross and Chaz. like do you actually think because i know we, we we talked about he's not your typical center but i feel like you know we we talked about this in the trade deadline do you think he's an actual target and does he make sense for the team because i i don't I, I keep seeing his name but I, I still don't see a fit personally yeah i, I don't either um i mean i know we <clears throat> there was there's kind of an argument there right that you're just trying to bring in talent right you're just trying to upgrade the talent level of the roster and <laughs> fair like that that's a reasonable argument if you want to have it i don't think he's a like a fit at center and i don't know that he solves like any of the like the issues we have at the center position either um so the short answer to your question for me is no i don't like i i, I hope he's not because he's also a little more costly like in terms of trying to, probably the only thing i think of value in terms of bringing him in would be the fact that he becomes a trade asset at the deadline, like a useful salary to move. Yeah. Chaz. Um, I, I would target uh Bobby Porters and Doug McDermott. I would round out that center position with guys like Thomas Bryant. Maybe you bring Carlo over. I believe in doing center by committee because I don't think it's a real um useful position necessarily in uh well a prioritized position with this coaching staff. Um and I think it's just not a position you you invest heavily into in 2023, 24 and beyond. I think with Thomas Bryan, you got a guy who can shoot, give you a little rebound. And I'm not necessarily worried about defense. I'm not even necessarily worried about rebounding because even if Thomas Bryant was like a Dennis Rodman type, one guy rebounding isn't going to help you. Like the wings have to commit to rebounding at this point. It's too many, it's too many tall six, seven, six, eight guys on the floor for the wings to be so poor at rebounding. So I would just get a um I would focus on you know, um, a guy, cheap guy, 11, 13 million with Bobby Porter's get a shooter and Doug McDermott. I think both of those guys would be great for the locker room, especially Bobby Porter's gives you insurance for Larry Nance. Cause you know, we all know Larry's going to run into that inevitable wall and be out for some time. And, um, guy like Thomas Bryant, he's already comfortable with not playing. If he doesn't close games, I don't think he'll be an issue. And I think you're looking at maybe about four to 5 million. If, um, if you make those those initial moves with Bobby Portis and Doug McDermott, I think you will be a um you'll have the tax uh mid level exception 
about five million dollars. I think that'd be perfect for uh Thomas Bryant. So y'all are y'all are mentioning like center's not really a, a big priority, right? But you gotta have somebody Billy Hernan Gomez five. I mean, like I know he he had just said that whole I know you're rolling your eyes, but you literally Lita, what did you just say? Looney's what the 39th highest, highest paid. paid. Yeah, I was talking about cheap contracts. He's literally he has a club option for two million. Is he even close to being an option or we're just moving on? I think for both parties, they're probably going to move on. I don't, I don't see them bringing really back. I don't, I don't, unless, unless there was a real opportunity to get Luca. I know that sounds crazy, but if that's, if there was a real opportunity to get Luca, Doncic on the Pelicans, I think that's the only way you bring Willie Hernan Gomez back. That's fair. I think um, uh, I was just gonna say I was just gonna add to to Chad's point real quick. Uh, low value center, um, who is helpful on the boards, decent defender, um, gets a decent amount of assists for his position. Mason Plumlee's a free agent also. I've, I was looking at him actually throughout the season to be a trade target. Like I, I feel like you could have literally got him for nothing, which they, the Clippers actually end up big getting him for nothing. And you look at a guy who turned his, his free throw percentage from 40% to 70%, like on the back end of the season. Um, I, I feel like, I don't know why you wouldn't take a look at him. If we're talking about centers, the one guy that's sort of popped in my head a handful of times and <clears throat> certainly has a contract that would make a lot of sense is Wendell Carter. <clears throat> and Orlando kind of is sitting out there as a a, a team that I don't know if, what the hell they're going to do. <clears throat> that you know They didn't make the playoffs again, but I think that I mean they definitely improved and they've got a lot of space. Um, you know, the, pro the, the, the reason we'd want him, I think, is probably the reason he's tough to get is just because he's – kind of in that I think he's got probably three years and like 31 million left so his contract is great I think he fits with what we do a lot better than some of the other guys um and he's still at the age that I think would be interesting with our you know quote unquote core but um that would be one from a trade perspective that that I would be interested in so we talk about that Chris what would it Chris and Chaz what would it take to get somebody like Wendell Carter because we talk about <laughs> Sooner or later, we have all these draft picks. When is it time to get off of them? Because now you're starting to see, we, Chris, before we got on, we didn't want to talk about you know, teams that have lost in the playoffs. Bucks again, you know, or not again, but they lose in the first round. Um, are they a team now with, with those picks? Is that starting to become more valuable? And can now Griff package up Lakers picks and Milwaukee picks to move in order to get someone like a Wendell Carter Jr.? Yeah, I mean, if if you're in a situation where you feel like Wendell Carter is your starting center, then, um, you know, if you're if you're committed to that to that idea, then, um, I mean, it's not going to cost you a boatload. I mean, I I wouldn't consider Wendell Carter as someone who is uh, locked and entrenched as a part of the Orlando Magic's future. So if that's the case, I mean, could a second round or two seconds end up making it happen? Sure, I don't I don't see why not. Um, I mean, I I don't think he's I. I would assume that he would be very cheap at this point as, um, you know, he's gearing up to figure out what his second contract is going. He's playing to figure out what his second contract is going to be like. It's been some inconsistency. It's been some injuries. You know, Orlando um, was all over the place with, with the talents that they were putting out there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, whether the question is Wendell Carter or whether it's a Plumlee or whether we're talking about Brick Lopez, Miles Turner, whatever the, whatever the case may be. And I think we, you know, we, we're learning, or we should already know the difference in between what it takes to win regular season games and what it takes, you know, how that translates to winning actual playoff series. It doesn't matter. If you see someone that you, that you like, and you see someone that can be a big 
part in regards to your to your future, helping you win games, helping you possibly, uh, you know, win playoff series. You go get them, um, and you worry about the you know the uh, the backlash and the results later. Um, and I think that's what this team should focus on. Uh, to piggyback off that, I, I think the team should probably understand like what its uh, focus is going to be, right? What style they're going to play. What do you think their focus should be? Like that, that number one, oh, outside of like getting people healthy. But that is determining what their style is because you have players. Yep. Yeah, okay. Like Ross, I think Ross alluded to, you know, getting a John Collins is just, all right, adding more talent, right? They have talent. Now, what they do with the talent is the problem. It's not necessarily accumulation of, of talent. No, it's accumulation of the right talent and the right people to do exactly what you want to do on the court. They don't have a. They don't have that yet. They don't have a style. When you when you watch Sacramento play today versus Steph and the Warriors, it it was two styles being played, and they were trying to outmatch each other. But Sacramento has played that way all season. The Warriors have played that way for the last almost decade. So, what? That's what the Pelicans should look towards: understanding what their style is, and you know, finding players that fit that style. Chaz, you mentioned Bobby Porter's from Milwaukee. Um, would he, do you know me? Do you know his contract off the top of your head? Yeah, I think uh, I think going into next year is eleven million. I think after that's like thirteen million. Now I think exactly. there's a I think it's a player option after that. Um, well, I was going to say there's another guy on that team that I think is interesting. He's got one year left in Grayson Allen. Um, um, do you think I, he could be possibly a target? I, you know what? I think I think you really want to look at everything in totality moving forward. I think it's a lot less about players and skill sets. And with the Pelicans, it's a lot more about contracts because this team really, as it currently stands, regardless of the player, only has two avenues to getting better. Even with those Milwaukee picks and those Lakers picks, the Pelicans don't have the salary to really go out and get like game-changing players. So with a guy like Grayson Allen, I'm not sure what his contract is. If it's under like five. One year, 10 million. One year, ten million. I mean, they got him. It probably would be probably be somewhat valuable because it's an it's an expiring contract. But um, does he really necessarily does he like fit a need necessarily versus a guy like Doug McDermott, whose extension would probably be cheaper, and he's at thirteen million. I think um, I just I, I really think it's more about contracts right now because you what you want to do you want to set yourself up for the deadline to where you can make that real game changing move. I don't think, <clears throat> pardon me, I don't think a lot of those guys um, necessarily move the needle. I don't think Grayson Allen really does anything. I think um, you need, you need like marksman shooting out there with Trey Murphy. You need um, like serious locker room guys, playoff tested guys, guys who have a history of being healthy. And that's why I really like Bobby Portis, uh, even coming off the bench, maybe even closing with a guy like Bobby Portis. You know he's not gonna not gonna take no shit in the locker room, and I think more than more than anything, you you really gotta get some some mid level contracts on this roster because as it currently stands, it's either gonna be Larry Nance or it's gonna be Brandon or you stand in pat because you just don't have the salary to make a big move. Anybody want to go off that? <laughs> I mean, like the truth is very bleak. It's like you're running. We keep hearing that like, you're gonna run it back. You're gonna run it back. I mean, the only two tradable contracts, Ross, Ooh. are really Larry Nance and Jonas Valanciunas. 
and we've talked about that um, a lot now. So you kind of look at the trade market. Do you think that it's something that, you know, I think Griffin alluded to making tweaks instead of major changes. Is that what you're probably going to see here in the off season? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because I, my heart tells me one thing and my head tells me another. Um, you know, I, I think they're probably going to, to make just minor moves. I think they should package all those damn picks up mm. and, and overhaul. Um, not overhaul, but bring in a, a game changer. I mean, Chaz just said it. I think Five just said it, right? There are things that need to happen from an organizational perspective in terms of changing the way we play and with you know, so the different mentality and, and a style, and that's important. Um, but players matter too. And if you're if you're able to make a big upgrade, one big upgrade, you're seeing it in the playoffs. Like can can do a lot. One change, like one style of player that's a lot better suited to what you're trying to do, can make your team a lot better. And so I think if that option is out there, like clearly the team is not devoted in any way to Jonas. You know, I, I don't yeah. like. So do what you got to do. Um, I think we've all been critical of some of the draft selections. I think you're hitting a point both with contracts, players, what we have in the developmental league. Like, you can only bring in so many players over the next few years anyway. I would like to see us make a a, a real effort to up to make a big upgrade, I, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, so look, yes, I agree with what Chad said, and I agree with what Ross just said. There is another guy on Milwaukee who's a free agent also. Uh, you talk about big game hunting. Right. You talk about a guy with playoff experience, a marksman. He doesn't necessarily have the help to back it up, but Chris Middleton right there too, right? Um, for me, the thing with the picks for Ross, I, I really don't have faith in the Pelicans drafting. Uh, I think we have proven in the, in this regime uh, that we don't, we don't draft well. I'm not giving you Zion. He was the first pick. Like, okay. I'm going to give you Trey. I'm gonna give you hurt. Jose was undrafted. That was a good find. That was like the, the the Saints situation with undrafted players. They do really well at that, right? But you also got Didi Lozada. You got I don't I'm, I'm not gonna go down the list because you know you who, can go down the list. You got Jackson Hayes, no, got but, the Cunnings and Walker. But look, I do want to say this, and not to cut you off, but like there's this emphasis, and like you guys have gone back and forth on Twitter with like, you know, people will say, Well, you can't leave off the good players we've drafted and, and only talk about the bat. And that's all true, and it's fine. But the issue, like the bigger issue is, even if you hit on a draft pick, does it help you in the playoffs next year or the year after? Like, like no. Like, how, like even, even good player, even the guys that we hit on, mm -hmm. like they're not really moving the needle in terms of like making you win a playoff series in, in the first round or second round. I mean, they're just not. I mean, yeah, they, they, they matter in the regular season, and I'm not saying that bringing in, you know, young guy, they matter on the cap sheet, and that's all fine and good. But it feels like if if you want to start changing the conversation away from, well, let's get to the playoffs, right? Like, let's not be a play-in team. Or do you want to change the conversation to how does this team become a legitimate champion? Like, somebody that you are actually fearful of in the long term of winning championships. Are you doing that hitting on, you know, got, you know hitting on people in the 15th, 16th pick? Or are you doing that by trying to really upgrade at a certain position around Zion and Brandon and CJ. And I guess this was, do you want to say something? Later? Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to say just in response to that, like, no, you're right. Look, and now I'm going to tell you what I tell the people on Twitter when they tell me that I'm going to say whatever I want to say. 
know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna talk about whatever I want to talk about. Like, and this is this is like I'm I'm literally just telling the truth though. Like, this is not been no, you're absolutely right though. In, in your in your point, I'm I'm just saying that like I think you should, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a serious organization, yeah, like go big game hunting right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like while it's on the on the bro, like the what listen again. The West was so wide open this year, and I and I understand you can't make a trade unless people want to be trade partners with you. But I feel like with the picks that you've acquired, well, now that has soured, right? I think that you were in a position to make certain moves that you could have made. Like I'm, I would package Dyson up right now, and I send him to whoever the hell wants him for well, a good player. That's why I guess perfect segue into the next topic, Chris. Do you want to see this team actually make a pick this year? And if you do. Right, what position like does that have to be a like, top five, top ten? No. Are, you, are you ready? Are you just like no. ship it off? No, no, no. I I think they part part of the issue has maybe been having too many players to develop at once. Mm. Um, I mean they haven't they haven't shown that that ability, you know, as is. So uh, I think that simplifying the process across the board. I mean that should that should be what we're looking. at. I mean, and listen, bro. We you know we talking about draft picks and. Um, uh, you know, and, and different individuals that can come in. I, I mean, the, you know, the ultimate, when we're sitting here a year from now, we are going to be um, pretty much handcuffed to how many games Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson played. Uh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're going to be talking about. If Brandon Ingram plays more than 49 games, if Zion Williamson plays more than 28, 29 games, maybe we're having a different discussion or the conversation has gotten a lot easier. And we know that we're moving on from one of them. And now some of these rookies are going to be in a different roles that we're talking about. A young players are going to be traded draft picks. We can be having a different discussion, but currently as, as we know, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are going to be Pelicans, CJ McCollum as well, coming into the fall. Therefore, I mean, yo, I, you know, I, there's no need to be putting yourself in a situation where you, you should be developing another rookie. You already have someone that needs, uh, you know, time and, and developing in uh, Dyson Daniels. What are you going to do with Kyra Lewis? Are you bringing back Jackson Hayes? I, I uh, you know, Trey Murphy still, still is going to need more work. Herb Jones need like you, you have enough young guys in the fold already. Hell, Zion still needs more work as as generational of a talent as he is. He, you you have enough of those problems as is on your team the way you have to figure out. Um, I mean, it's it's it has to come. I think from this conversation changes um, in regards to your aggression based off of what those two individuals are going to do. And um, I think CJ McCollum's last press conference put a lot of that stuff into perspective for those that, um, you know, had any questions about what this team should be focused on um, going into the offseason. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah. I'm sorry. Because we did, we talked about it a little before we went on air. And now that, you know, Chris just kind of talked about the guys that will definitely be here next year. And, and we just watched the Kings get eliminated. We just watched Memphis get eliminated. And, you know, five, you brought up Griff's comment at the end of the year that, you know, 27 or however many teams would, would trade spots with us. Looking at those two teams specifically, because I, I found this year, like, even we talked about them more. And I think it's because early in the year, we were all sort of in the same, like, mm-hmm. spot until things went sour for us. Would, would you trade spots with those teams right now in terms of looking at, at where we are 
are those teams drastically ahead of where we are today? And this, I guess it's kind of a, a little bit of a silly question, right? One was a two seed, one was a three, and we didn't make the playoffs. But just taking what our GM said, I mean, are those teams that if you had to right now, hey, we're just going to change spots, the whole thing. Like, y'all take everything we got, we take everything you got. Like, are, where do you stack up those three teams? Where or, or put them in order. I won't put them in order, but I'll say, like, Memphis is intriguing because they have a style of play that, that has warranted them one, not one playoff berth, but a second one as well. True. Now on number two seed, and, it, and it's and you talk about sustainability, no matter how treacherous it seems over there, no matter how many times Job plays a basketball game, they still find a way to get to the playoffs. And and you know, yeah, they lost. Cool. I I don't you know I don't expect every every game to go their way, but they have a style of play and they, and they play it that way. And they draft based on that style of play, and they develop based on that style as well. So I want that. I would okay, yeah, I trade places with Memphis. I would not to say that you know. The, the the players on the Pelicans are, are are terrible. No, it's just the way they the way they do things. It seems like they have an idea of who they want to be, and they move towards that. No matter if they win or lose, that's how they move, and they just make adjustments on that. Man, I'm not bringing Dylan Brooks back on the team if I'm, I'm Memphis, but everybody else, they seem like they have a role. Look at a guy like Xavier Tillman that you know shined. Right. Without a Steven Adams. Right. And and Memphis was huge when it came to, you know, getting second chance points. Right. And they're without Steven Adams. Darren Jackson has to you know, take more of the offensive load. Trey Jones came in and did a great job when Ja went out. Ties. Yeah, ty- ties. Sorry, Ties Jones. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you look at those guys, you know, he had what for the probably fifth straight, fifth straight year. Yeah. He leads the NBA in assisted turnover fifth ratio. Straight. But it's the same way that. You know, they, they look for guys that, you know, match their style, and they've done really well. So, yeah, I, I want something like that. Would you trade for Sacramento? Though? Yeah. Oh, well, it's too early to tell, right? Yeah. Like they, but they have a really good core. You know, you got to see a leap out of Sabonis next year because he yeah. got outplayed in this series, right? And and he was an all-star. Um, Fox is a real star, and Malik is a, you know, should have probably could have been a six-man of the year. Um but there's there's so much opportunity for them. I don't know if I trade places in a sense. It's only just one year, but they have a really good trajectory. I can see this this being duplicated, right? Um, you're asking me if I'm Memphis, would I trade places with the Pel? Like, is that is that? No, I just no. want to make sure. No, the other way around. Other way around. Like, if you're, if you're the Pel- you're a Pelicans fan, and yeah. you could trade the whole organization, top to bottom, with either of those two teams. Do you do it right here as we sit here today? Picks, players, or coaches. GM, the whole thing, owner, the whole deal. I mean, for me, Memphis, Sacramento, they they seem to have – Memphis drafts well. Sacramento seems to be figuring that out. Um, <clears throat> both teams have a distinct style that is all them. The the coaching staff seems to reflect that in the, in the implementation of the game plan. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean – also, those teams have things like Memphis has the defensive player of the year, right? Uh, Sacramento has health for the most part. Uh, Memphis has depth, like actual depth, not looking at a, a, a roster saying one through five, like, and you got Garrett Templeton right there. No disrespect, bro. I'm, I'm just I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have actual depth on the team that that if somebody has to sit, Xavier Tillman comes out of nowhere. Uh, Tyus comes out of nowhere. Uh Kenny Lofton scored 40 points 
in a game yep. in you know you know an NBA game in the NBA game and I think I, I want to say uh <laughs> I want to say at some point in the playoffs they said Keegan Murray I believe was the only the only rookie, rookie getting like any time for any team yeah I, I mean I'm, I may be like slightly off but I think he's definitely the only rookie starter but I want to say he might have been the only rookie like getting any meaningful minutes whatsoever for any playoff team yeah can I can I just add the one point though? Chris was Chris was like very eloquently saying something, and it made me just like I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but it just really made me feel like we were in hell. Like Chris was like, "Man, if Zion doesn't play twenty eight games, if Brandon doesn't play forty something, like, bro, do you see what we? Those are low for? numbers. Those are low like, numbers. Yeah, man. man. Like, <laughs> Chaz, go ahead. What? What? I don't know what the question is. The short form is uh, rank those three teams. I mean, I have a very, very good. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, but just do it for us anyway. Um, rank, rank those three. I, I think I think the idea of the Pelicans uh, top two players is better yeah. than those other teams. Um, the idea of Zion alone is probably better than uh, what those other two teams have. But it's just an idea. You know, um, <laughs> it's, it's not. You know, it's not necessarily tangible right yeah. now. I think if I had to choose, I probably would take Sacramento over the Pelicans just because you got a guy like Keegan Murray who's already kind of ahead of where Trey was at that point in his rookie career. Um, got Malik Monk, got Sabonis, who is like a, you know, all-star. Darren Fox probably should have been like, you know, MVP candidate. You got the coach of the year. It like to five's point, it is only one year, but um, just the sum of their parts, and they still got salary, they still got things they could do. They're still in California, you know what I'm saying? The Kings never really had an issue getting free agents because they're in California, like you know, they, they've always kind of got the meeting at least. So, with the Pelicans, it's kind of like, like you know, it, again, they don't have many avenues to improve. Like when you spoke about the draft pick, I think I think you almost have to make that pick this year now because, like, you need again, you need salary. Like, what are you like, gonna do with like EJ Liddell? Like, I guess well, you probably lose Billy and you probably the Pelicans got have so many. Well, the Pelicans got to clear a couple of roster spots, right? I, I'm sure. I think Najee's probably gone. I think um, I think Kyra's gone. Temple probably gone. Like, and you need these players to be gone because again. That's how you get the roster spots you need to even sign EJ Liddell to a real contract. Now, he might just stay on a two-way and go to Birmingham and kind of work his way back. But you still need still need another point guard. still need another shooter. You still need another big. And maybe need you probably need two bigs. So, like, you're in a, you're in a tricky position to where you have to kind of start trimming the fat of this team. And um, you could do that with uh, these built bars, by the way. Trimming the fat of this team and, um, you know, kind of bringing in some some actual, you know, like players who are going to, you know, they're going to play. And um, you've got to set yourself up to make that big move at the deadline. I'm talking about, bro, you really don't have to use any draft capital. this off You ain't even in position to use no draft capital this offseason. Even if you saw somebody you really liked. For 15 million, I guess you attach a couple picks to JV. But who is that guy? Who do you really like out there for 15 million? I think the big move is 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 shitty, but the big move has to come at the deadline when you got a bunch of mid-level contracts that you can move 
and somebody gonna get this ground for like 30 million. Yo, I did this. The Pelicans can get to like 30 million dollars. The Pelicans can get to over 20 million dollars like easily. And if they decide to add Larry Nance to that, they can get to about 31 million dollars like easily if they just hit a couple singles and wait to the deadline to make that major move. And it's just so it's just it's so shitty because you're like, damn, is Brandon and Zion gonna even still be around at the deadline? Will the deadline even matter? Like by the time you know, fucking around with these two. So it's like I don't know, but I think you gotta make that pick. I think you gotta make it now. Damn, I did not think I didn't think you were gonna go there. I didn't think you have to make that pick, but I mean you know, the quick go back for me, because we spending so much time talking about those two teams, it it like it just dawned on me that in a lot of ways, it's two separate things. When, or at least when I think about the Kings and Memphis, you know, like Five said, Memphis has has kind of done it ground up. I think you know, in terms of drafting guys that fit what they want to do, and being able to kind of plug and play and implement. And whether it's first unit, second unit, it's developmental guys. Like they've done a good job of building something sustainable. And the Kings did something this year that I feel like the Pelicans and Hornets never do or have done. And that's work on the periphery and and be able to bring in a guy like Malik Bunk and, and Kevin Herter, who both of those dudes in the last couple, Herter had kind of soured in, in Atlanta. Like they weren't just infatuated with him. He was losing minutes to, to some guys. Like they, I mean, they weren't in love with him anymore. And Malik Monk was cast off from a terrible team. And then, you know, they take two guys like that immediately implement what they want to do, put them in the right system, and you watch them flourish this year. And that's like it feels like we've struggled to take something in the offseason, you know, spare parts that maybe nobody else wanted anymore, but still had value and and have been able to put them in a position for long-term success. And it's like I would love to see us do one of those two things. If you like being able to get a mid mid-level low-level free agent maybe a guy that didn't play well somewhere but finding value and then being able to get him in here and having success like feels like an an avenue to improve if i if i ask this question what player you know that has like lift this organization has lifted that player to another level like what player has came in you didn't see much out of and just was like they did this this organization did this too I guess it's too early to say Trey Murphy, but probably you're talking about a free agent though. He was a college. Oh, you're talking about free you're agent. You're talking about somebody that was free somewhere. Else. We don't ever really I mean, yeah, I mean uh, free I mean, agent, maybe. Go over our free agent signings a lot. Like maybe I would even look at it like rookies, like because what Herb was doing at Alabama, I, I saw this transitioning to not maybe first round, you know, but but even when I look at something like that, I'm like, okay, what talent you took and you raised it to man, three I, guys like jump out to me as the total opposite. Of like what you're saying, yeah, or at least two, <laughs> and that's the problem. Yeah, two, like so- Solomon Hill, who was a guy he was on my list. There was in Indy, and like he was not like when we got him, he was not just like a. To- I mean, yeah, he ended up being trash, but we contributed to him going from like a somewhat intriguing, possibly player, to trash, and then Trevor Ariza. Like Ariza was an interest, and now you're going back a long ways for for yes. at least for both of those guys. But I mean, we brought I could we could list off a lot of wings. They fall into a, a similar-ish that, but category. That's what I'm saying. You look at a team like Memphis, you look at a team like Sacramento, they raise guys, they've risen guys' level to, you know, when we sent Steven, Steven Adams to over there, what happened? 
Like he was yeah. him and Ja had like this ultra connection. It's not like he wasn't screening well when he was in New Orleans. No, they just used him in a way that was indicative indicative of them winning. Like I I just don't get it. I don't get why you what do you what do you blame that on then? What do you think the problem is? I don't want to keep saying the same old thing. Like I know it. Like like it's organizationally, they don't have a scheme. They don't know what they want to be. And I they don't stick to it long enough to, to see it through. Go I ahead, think it's man. been a couple guys, but they like real low ceiling guys. Like I thought like was it James Ellis uh Ennis? Ennis. Yeah, I thought Ennis came here, played pretty well. I wanted to keep him, but he ended up going to Detroit during that Solomon Hill year where they was just giving out money. Guy like Tim Frazier, like maybe Ishmit, like real low ceiling guys who kind of like Brian Roberts, you know, guys who kind of like came here and they kind of like found their footing in the league before going somewhere else. And like, they kind of like fizzled out of the league, like real quickly, like even, even Najee to a certain extent, but it's get again, it's like, it's guys who kind of already, know how to play and you have such low expectations of them that anything they do is going to look impressive like if if kyra played tomorrow and had like 10 points and two assists and three rebounds we'll be talking about kyra possibly winning most improved player because the bar is so low <laughs> like for him to clear it's just like you know but yeah we've talked about this though like new orleans just isn't a free agent destination and yeah. i don't think you're ever going to change that yeah, and so yeah, you could you couldn't get like a Malik Monk. I think I think a guy like Corey Joseph is an option, but anybody they go, man, you gotta throw a lot of money that you don't have right now at guys, and even then they probably gonna turn you down. Like, oh, it gotta be like a weird, like a like a kind of really eclectic guy. I, I think we almost had the meeting with Harrison Barnes one time, but he ended up he ended up going to Dallas. That was the year we signed uh like Tariq Evans and all them dudes. But it's like you got to be a distressed, damaged asset to come here, and that's why I'm just like, just just hit a couple singles and wait. (laughs) Yeah, distressed and damaged asset. Like you gotta, if you got options, you probably not coming here. Do y'all like Kobe White? He always hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'll fit right in. (laughs) Nah, I mean, I'm all. I I don't think the the team needs like any more projects. I think yeah. I've been like they don't need anything. They need to like, you know, I, as I've said, like okay, they haven't risen anybody's play level. Like they don't need that anymore. They don't need nobody. They need to like nurture. They have just shown the ability, the inability to do that, right? So if I'm looking at this team, you need somebody that knows how to play already, and then hopefully that player that knows how to play already, you know, Paul's rubs off on everybody else to you know help them play better because you're just not going to get it from the organization as a whole. I mean, that's just what we've seen. It's a pretty bleak podcast. <laughs> like, right now, yeah. like you're just like kind of talking through it. And because yeah, it, it's, it's a realization, like it's just not there. I don't care. Again, again, you, you talk about, we talked about 42 wins. Like they shouldn't be here. Look at, look at the, the bad losses. That thing, that's the thing that always gets me. The games you should have won and you and you gave away. The Houston one stands out. The, the Orla- Lakers one stands out. Oh, that, yeah, one. of course. Uh, the the Orlando one at home, that always because you just got beat. You just got stolen. Like like that was nothing. You know, you talking about a team in Orlando that that didn't really want to win, but they stayed in the game long enough that you know 
Paulo went Paulo, and just it's that that's the thing that that gets me. It's like you gave away games that you didn't need to, and you should have beat teams that you should have. But and, and nothing was in place for you know uh, a stabilization to happen. So. You know what does it for me? Watching the playoffs, like what what the realization for me that like we're not there is in watching all of these playoff games, yeah. even the one eights. Like we ain't Miami. We're we're not an eight like Miami. Like we're not we're not the Knicks. Like we're not. There's teams that, and again, Chaz made a really good point earlier that that on paper, you say, C.J. Brandon Zion, and and if you're just looking, if you're just saying those words, and comparing it to, uh, you know, Brunson, Randall, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Like if you just say the words of, of those players, most of the time. You're gonna say, "Oh, well, yeah, we're better than that," but that's not that's not that's missing the forest for the trees, and it's it it really became evident, like watching this whole first round of the NBA that like we we don't play like we don't play that way. I just want to point this out. You see how like every possession matters in the playoffs, like everything matters. Rebounds matter. Like at come on, Lenny, today, like like everything matters. Like it's not just the it's just not the points. And it's not just like the defensive stops. Like, no, no, everything matters. You know, assignments matter. Who you guard. You see, they were attacking Keegan Murray every time down the court. Every, it was no wasted motion mm-hmm. by Steph. He, you, you know what I thought was kind of crazy, though, when Jimmy Butler did turn his ankle? I, thought, I was shocked that Thibodeau didn't attack Butler every single possession. I, I was shocked. And, I was and just he, like, it was like Doris Burke was like losing her mind. I was like, how do you not see that he's because, the weak link right there? But, but that's that should show you like you've done that throughout the season. This isn't the first time Tibbs has probably done something like that, right? This isn't the first time, and and that's what you bring up during the season with these teams. Like, no, you've done this, you've done this all year, and it's just gonna you know amplify it when you get to the playoffs. You might think it's nothing, but no, no, it is something. When you turn the ball over twenty plus times again, yeah, no, no, it is something because it's gonna that's gonna be who you are. That's going to show up in the in the, in the time of a playoff. We, Lito, we talk. One of my favorite quotes is when Nick Saban says, "If you want to be happy about the win, be happy about the win. If you want to be happy about the process, I'm not happy about the process." That's what we've been trying to say this whole time, right? The process is broken, right? Five. Can a healthy Zion and Brandon? Can a healthy Zion and Brandon do something together? What does that look like? What? Well, you've seen. <laughs> It's like you've seen it, but you haven't really seen it because it's understanding Gunny. But like we talk about health. I'm not even trying about, to be funny. I'm no, a- I know, but we talk about health and we talk about like you're locked in with CJ, and then we'll get Chris here next. You're locked in with CJ Brandon and and, and Zion. Yeah. Like, those are your three. Mm-hmm. I like I like to hope so. I mean, I, I don't I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't have a lot of I don't have a I don't have a lot of confidence in in the, bro. Chris just literally said. If he if he plays twenty eight games, if he plays forty games, how many games do you need from Zion? Realistically, how many games cha- do you need? We from should Zion? change the name of the team to Ifs. Yeah, <laughs> like, but how many games do you need from Zion? Honestly, 60, 60, 58 to sixty. I'd say, dog, if he if he at least played between 60. fifty to fifty five, yeah, and that, and that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I'm asking for that because you're making two hundred million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like that's crazy that I have to settle for fifty five games of of basketball from the best player on my team. If he plays 50 this year, you might be the one seed. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I say this, yo? I think I think truthfully, we um <laughs> I, 
I don't think the playoffs really matter because it's like the Pelicans need to build a team that's a perennial playoff contender. At this point, the Pelicans are a fringe play-in team, and I'm going to say win healthy because when I saw everybody healthy, then I mean everybody was healthy. Not Brandon was out, not Zion was out, not CD was out. This team didn't look that good because they played like an antiquated brand of basketball. Zion wasn't being maximized. You know, Larry, you know, came out the gates hot, but it, then it kind of like it slowed down really fast. And um, I think you really just need to build a team that can get you comfortably to the playoffs. Then you can recognize what your flaws or shortcomings are. And then you kind of maneuver from there because, you know, like like five say every possession matters in the playoffs. And I'm like, yeah. Like more slowed down, every possession matters. I think that's kind of catered more to Brandon's style of play. But in a regular season, when you got to run up and down the court, you got to consistently play defense, you got to consistently rebound, you got to consistently stay on the floor. I don't know nobody on this team that that's like, oh yeah, he can, he'll definitely fit. Maybe Trey is like a prime Trey, and you know Zion are like prime regular season players. CJ, of course, because of history. But everybody else, I'm kind of just like. Like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know. I can't really see you keeping up that level of play for 10 straight games, 12 straight games, 20 straight games. Like, I don't know if that's sustainable, but, you know, that's kind of just my perspective on it. And I, and I've been saying this a lot. This this is why, like, coaching matters a lot. And, and a lot of people don't think coaching matters. Well. A lot of people. I don't think they. How, how do you how do you not think coaching matters? Well, a lot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> There are a the lot you of people that say coaching does not matter. That's because we give props to Willie Green for winning coach of the month. No, Willie Green ain't fit. He won coach of the month. Really, Zion was coach of the month. Like, we gonna keep it real. Let's just keep it real. Zion was coach of the month. Willie Green reaped the rewards. Giannis and Kyrie getting hurt. Kyrie said it himself. I'm glad he finally said something. Kyrie got hurt. James Harden got hurt. The, the Suns wouldn't shit. And that's why the Bucks won. Mike Budenhauser. Then is that, is that coach, yeah, Coach Bud didn't win no fucking uh ring. Giannis and he them, and the yeah. injuries won a ring. He sucks. That timeout was wild. He terrible. Yeah, like oh, he sorry, just, the non the non call. He yeah, he's not good. So the more we keep pacifying Willie, saying, "Oh, well, you know, he kept the guys." No, no, he didn't. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. He showed up, got his check, and went his ass home. He didn't do nothing. That's why the team at home right now because he stinks. So coaching, we can't say coach like. We can say coaching matters, so we know better. But when you got guys like Willie Green winning coach of the month, when he didn't do nothing, and you can see he ain't win another coach of the month. You really don't think he did anything? I think if he had if he had the keys, I don't know if him or the custodian or whoever opened the unlocked the doors to the gym, he probably got like the keys to open the door and shit. But he didn't do nothing. You see, he ain't win another coach of the month. Why he ain't getting no more coach of the month? Why he ain't get January? Why he ain't February? There's a lot of months left. I ain't getting no more coach in the month because he's not good. So the more we pacify him and say, you know, yeah, you know, Willie, we part of the problem. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I just, I'm just saying, like, coaching really matters, man. Uh, you look at the the Denver Nuggets game the other night, and they had a they had a segment uh, on Mike Malone, and he had some kind of statement about, you know, this isn't, this is not how you, you know, and they're up, they were up, and he's saying this, you know, what I'm saying like. You know, if you're really trying to win a championship, this is this can't happen. And and again, they they've been up this road. They got a player like an MVP, two time MVP and Joker. They have a budding 
superstar in Jamal Murray. Um, but yeah, no, no, they play a way that's conducive to their style and their 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 players, and, and you can see it. The actions they run, the pick and roll between Joker and, and Murray is is elite. Again, even against you know the Suns that are that are playing decent basketball. Um, it just the things that they do, it's just it's just watching basketball, bro. Not not necessarily just the playoffs, right? But like the the game within the game and, and you seeing how they're like attacking certain things and it's just like, oh, this is beautiful. Like, y'all don't see this, y'all don't see what I'm seeing. Maybe I'm just I think the Nuggets have a beautiful offense. But what I mean, but let me ask though, I mean, what what happened what happened last year when that when that Nuggets team didn't have Jamal Murray and they didn't have Michael Porter. Good point, Chris. That's, that's a good yeah. point. That's they had, a, they had the. Oh, they they had, had, didn't they get into the playoffs? They had like, they, they, the playoffs, bro. We got like I, who, bro? Who cares? Who cares about making the playoffs and missing the first round, bro? You you talking about how beautiful something works for a team for a team that's made the second round and that and that just beat a team in their in their first game with a chance to make the Eastern Conference Championship, a team that ended up into being number one in the West, like. I mean, good. That's like that's spectacular. Jokic was the MVP of that season as well. Like, I, I mean, it's it sounds good, but to me, it's not as complicated all the time as we're making it. I think Mike Malone's a good coach. I remember him being a part, you know, being here. Right. I, I I'm not taking that away, but I do know this team, even in the playoffs, even with beautiful sets, even with even with knowing how they wanted to play, even with nice role players. They look different and their results were different when Jamal Murray and slash Michael Porter Jr. wasn't available. That's it. Listen, listen I'm, I'm going to say this. I thought the Pelicans could have beat this year. They could have beat the Nuggets as an eight seed, even with that, even with what I'm saying. I'm just saying when you look at it from, from that standpoint, like they know they know who they are. They know what they want to do. The Pelicans just don't know who they are and they don't know what they want to do on a consistent basis. That's my issue. And that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to know who you are when you don't know who the hell is playing. Uh, I disagree. So with, but hey, all right, that goes back to uh, if if that's your thought, Chris, and I think a certain part of me agrees with, with that, what you're saying. Does that not even more exacerbate the need to get off of of picks and to get off of projects and get in? as many quality players, I'm talking about guys that can actually make you better next year as possible. Get as sure, many of those dudes sure. in. Like, but, but, bro, the, the debate isn't like that the process is perfect. I'm not saying that the process is even good at this point. We've had, we yeah. finished many shows talking about, uh, that, that, that looks broken. That doesn't look right. They didn't know, they don't know what they're doing. But I can guarantee you, regardless, if Zion Williamson plays 29 games next year and Brandon Ingram plays 49 games, we're going to be sitting here with these same looks on our face, having these same, I, I buy the cuss, with these same discussions. They got to figure it out. Fuck everything else. They have to figure it out. What are we talking about? They have to figure it out. They are number one and number two on the fucking team. They got to figure the shit out. They play more games. Everybody else going to look a lot better. You change the coach. Coach, sure, the coach can be better. Sure, the, the staff can be better. The organization can be way better from the marketing to the social media team. All of it, everything can be fucking better. But if number one plays 29 games, okay, if Jokic plays 29 games for the Nuggets and Jamal Murray plays 49, those fuckers are number 12 in the West. 
But hey, Chris, <laughs> but I want to say that because the difference. No. But here's the difference. I don't give a fuck how good Mike Malone is as a coach. He gonna be in trouble having 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 the chaz of their fan base saying he's ass <laughs> in every and, and he might be true regardless if number one plays this amount of games and number two plays this amount of games. Well, listen, those listen, two listen. this offseason have to figure the shit out. They figured out and play more. We either a will have a clear navigation on somebody has to go and this shit is not working. Or B, they didn't figure the shit out, and we are having a conversation about possibly a second round or a team that lost in the first round in a tough series. Listen, I'll, I'll just say this: if the Pelicans were fully healthy, they they probably not getting past the second round. Still, I, cool. I I believe that. So that's that's my issue. My my issue isn't okay. Just getting to the playoffs. I just don't think this team could could win a championship the way that they were playing. The way even with Zion fully healthy, I don't think they could have won a playoff like go deep into a player or be in the Western Conference Finals playing the, the, the way playing the way they play. That's my issue. The, what they're doing isn't conducive to their roster. That's a problem. They should change exactly what the, you know, a, a whole 180. Please change exactly what you're doing to something else because it's not working or, or it won't work. I don't believe it will. Chris, do you think if, with a healthy brand and Zion together, they would want a playoff series? If they play Golden State, probably not. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Depending on the matchup, yeah, I, I give them a shot. Could they have beaten the Clippers? Yeah. Could they have beaten the Suns? Eh, probably not. I think the matchup matters. If they would have played Golden State, they would have lost the same way the Kings did. The Kings did everything right from, from a from, from a procedural standpoint, okay? Mike Brown pulled, pulled out. He did everything that, you know, that he could do. Sabonis and Fox was available. So Fox broke his finger or dislocated it, came back, was tough, did everything. It didn't matter because generational talent, a shooter, one of the best players of all time, along with other generational, you know, another greatest shooter of all time and some other good associated parts and solid coaching, a Hall of Fame coach. Worked out. They lost. So, I mean, if the Pelicans were in the same situation, even with a healthy Zion and, and, and B.I., I mean, I could see it going in the same way, losing in seven games. Golden State, sure. Different matchup, maybe different different topic. I think that's the real, like, I, I really, I agree with what Chris is saying. Because, like, for me, like, when you ask, when Justin is asking me, you know, like, what, what do we do next season? Or, like, this, this you know, based, it's all based on health. Like, I can't answer the question if if one in 14 are, are going to be 29, 20 games and 30 games, like, I have no way to tell you how to even plan that out. Like, and, and to be honest, man, I feel bad for Willie Green on some shit because it's like, how, it's just, it's just, injuries are unfortunate, right? But, like, consecutively, every season, going into the season, you playing well, and then the shit falls apart because some, you know, somebody's body can't hold up to whatever it is. And again, that's unfortunate. I'm not blaming them for it necessarily, but like, I don't know how you build around that. I don't know how you build around that. I don't know how you plan for it, and I don't know how you move forward. Well, there, but there is a path, like that, and that's that's why I guess we're we're talking in circles because what we're trying to at least debate is what is that path look like to building something sustainable around two dudes that miss a lot of games. Like at this point, like I can't. I mean, there yeah, there I is no path. No, there, there is, is no path. path. There's, there's a path to the playoffs with with, with the okay. With those but, dudes being but guess risky. what? Clippers fans are having the same job. It's not like the organization can't just sit there all sure, every true. off season and say, 
if these dudes are healthy, X, Y, and Z can happen. We all know that to be true. Bring a Clippers fan up here and have this discussion. They're going to tell you the same thing. When Kawhi and Paul George are not healthy, none of this shit matters. You think they happy? Like you think They want Ty Lue out of the building, brother. They want, fans want Ty Lue out of the building. If and I went down the line and asked y'all, would y'all want Ty Lue here as coaching the Pelicans? A good majority yeah. of y'all would say, yeah, right? Right. Like, I mean, I'm, like, I think they they did everything right. Let's let's look at them. They added every other talent that they could possibly fucking add. They added they added Norman Powell. They added Mason Plumley. They added they. I mean, you go down a lot. They added Bones Highland. They added every person they could to to make up talent wise for such and such not playing. And guess what? They sitting on the same couch that Lito's sitting on right now. And Chris, that, but that's, I mean, and I guess you're kind of making my point. I'm not saying that we're going to win a title in the absence of those guys. That's obvious. What I'm saying is I think the Clippers actually did a pretty damn good job because Paul George yeah. barely played and they still made the playoffs. And it took Kawhi Leonard getting hurt in game five of a playoff series for them to right. lose a first round series. Like it literally took almost everything going wrong for them to not win a first round playoff series. Right. That's our perspective from the outside though, Ross, you know, the perspective from the outside of when it comes to the Pelicans are man, they did such a good job without Zion and Brandon coming in or without Zion and Brandon, all these guys missing, they're highlighting Trey Murphy, right? They're highlighting Herb Jones. They're highlighting this guy and that guy. That's the outside perspective of it. That's our, our outside perspective it's the same way when it comes to the Clippers. But I've, I mean, dog, I've talked to some of these people and I see these people online. Clippers fans are saying, OK, we only go as far as 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 number 13. And I, don't, I forgot what number Kawhi plays because he ain't on the damn floor. Ever. Whenever when those two are on the floor, shit changes. I think I think I don't know. I, I think I think it's a little nuanced because the Clippers are kind of old as well. Yeah. And, and it's different because they got like, they do have a history of success and being in LA, they can always get free agents. They mm -hmm. got like the super rich owner. They just got more pathways to getting better. Whereas the Pelicans have very limited pathways to getting better. So it's like when you do need to like maximize the things you have in the building, like the last two games, like when you look at those, it's, you know, it's a, I guess, I can't even say it's recency bias because it's been a problem all year. When you continue to make the same exact mistakes, it kind of goes beyond, all right, this person's missing. Because at this point, you've had you've had more than enough time to adjust to him missing. It's like, okay, well, he's missing. You got a person that could kind of neutralize some of that, you know, issue. Why don't you just use them? Like, okay, go ahead, put put JV out there. Let let's, you know, he's he's winning his matchup let's maximize that and when you don't do that to me more than anything that shows like uh, um arrogance yeah like an arrogance or a lack of um a certain like identifying the, the situation that you're in like again th there's been this has been several situations to where you can see it's a top-down issue like regardless of personally i thought i keep saying this when I go back to that Atlanta game that went into overtime, when I go back to that Houston game, when I go back to that first Portland game of the season, I didn't think this team was very good when healthy. I thought I, I just I just think it's too many players that occupy the same space. I think the Pelicans would have been very match off dependent getting into the playoffs, but I can't even think about the playoffs really because they haven't even shown me they can be a good regular season team. 
And I think that bar, even with there, there was so much parody in the league this year. If you win 40, like I don't give a fuck who's out. You can't lose 10 games in a row like that. Like you, you just can't do it. And like there's just so much, there was just so much parody in the league this year. Like you could have won at least 45 games, but you don't want to use trade. You got you got this thing where you want to sit trade down. You got this thing where you want to sit JV down. Got this thing where you you want to at the post All Star break you want to start Jason Richardson in in bench trade Josh Richardson pardon me Jason Richardson dunk dude yeah, Warriors yeah. yeah so you want to start Josh Richardson you want to sit Trey down it, it it was just like a lot of things you sticking with Dyson in the rotation you don't want to play Kyra it's like it's a lot of small minor tweaks that now you might get swept but you would have at least been in the playoffs versus like you just totally you know, out of it now. And I think they're going to rely on that, um, that injury thing as an excuse when, yo, you, you really can only do that for so long. Cause you don't have many oh, police coming, or, you know, yo, fighting crime is real tiring. Make sure y'all get these, uh, built balls. but yeah. So, you know, you really only got limited avenues, so you can't really keep using, you know, the injuries as an excuse if you the front office, even Griff said when they was the number one seed, he didn't like how they was playing. So it's like, I, so, I really, you know. Yeah, you know, that's that's my thing. It's like they weren't playing a really great brand of basketball. Like that's that's really my my whole focus of it. it, it when they were fully healthy. Even yeah, when they were fully healthy. Wasn't, they wasn't healthy as when they was number one. No. Well, yeah, they weren't even healthy. Remember when they, when they, were they weren't fully healthy. Right? When we look, when I just hate this notion of like, because this, this goes back forever. Of like we can't, we don't have, Chaz just said it a lot of times, like we don't have a lot of avenues to get better. And just talking about the Clippers, it's like, but you do in certain ways. Like you really do. And it doesn't, it's not just about drafting. Like go through that team. A lot of guys that we've just spent time talking about, like they traded for Mason Plumlee. They traded for Eric Gordon. They traded for Bones Highland. They traded for Robert Covington a year or two ago. They traded for Norman Powell. These were not guys that they, that were all saying, oh man, I want to sign in LA. Now, now I think maybe Covington signed an extension I think he's probably the only one, but wow. like, like there are, like you can trade for that. You can do things to improve your roster that are outside of just signing free agents and just drafting really well. You just have to be willing to do that. I have not seen from this organization that there's a willingness to stick our neck out there and, and make a, one of these types of trades. Now, like, I mean, Eric Gordon and Mason Plumlee, those are smaller trades. The Norman Powell one wasn't that small. Like it's, like if you want to go improve your roster in a meaningful way, now that what Chris is saying is true. Like if Zion doesn't play, we're not going to win shit anyway. Like you're not going to win a title, but you can get into the playoffs without it being a a, a dog fight every time. You can. You but now can, you're missing Brandon and Zion. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, that's how, how many players, games but, did they miss together? Was it twelve? I'm teen. I'm teen. Who knows, yeah. bro? I just want to see good basketball. Too many. That's yeah. that's my really. I I don't. You're not guaranteed wins. You're not, no matter who's on the court, if if Brandon and, and Zion play, hell, they can lose too, right? Just like when Paul George and Kawhi were playing at the same time, they could lose too. It doesn't just guarantee you wins by being out there. Like like everybody wants, oh, I just want to see good basketball. The 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 winning or losing that can that all happens, but the way they play angers me. Can I ask you this? Yeah, did you go. did you think it was good basketball? Last year, when we were making that run um, to the to the play-in, did you think that was good a good brand of basketball? Yeah. Why? Because their advantage was we're going to play two almost seven footers, and we're going to try to get as many you know 
possessions as possible, shots at the rim as possible, and we're going to play through our, our best player, which is Brandon Ingram. And I thought rebounding was an identity last year. Yeah. I think it was lost, Lito, when Zion had come in. Now, do you think, we'll close up with this, do you think that Willie Green's got so many things going on that's hard to focus on one thing, to have an identity? He's worried about Zion being in the lineup. He's worried about Brandon being in the lineup. Could that possibly be a distraction? Uh, For sure. Yes, I think that Willie Green still is not, like we, we've not got a way to form formulate a plan for Brandon and Zion together. They haven't played long enough for him to even be, be able to figure out how to do that. I, and from what I've seen, the games that they have played, it didn't really look like it wasn't the smoothest, but I can't really even blame him for that because hell, they just, the they're not available. Like if, if you don't have the bodies there to implement the game plan, there's really nothing you can do. Like we can plan this shit all we want to, but until, you know, those guys are there, I, I think that when Zion comes back, you get so excited about Zion being back, you go away from the things that you did to make you successful. And, um, you know, it's again, it's like having a new toy, right? Like, you, you, yeah, like, yeah, we got this. Like, this, this thing has been working for some some time now. But like, I got this shiny new toy in my garage now. Like, I want to see how this, you know, what I'm saying how this work or how, how far will this get me? And <clears throat> I think that's kind of what happened to the team this year. Uh, you add Zion to the mix, and you lost. And this is not anybody's fault because I mean, it's Zion Williamson. Like, it's twenty seven points a game however many rebounds or just a, a very dynamic player. So when you when you uh, add that to the mix, I think you lose sight of other things, unfortunately. And it's hard to say that if those guys only played, I think, 13 or was it 10 games? Yeah. So uh, the, the big three played 10. Yeah, 10, I think it was. 10. Chris, we, we talked about we'll wrap it up here, but um, I think CJ in his – it was a podcast. He said, like, we can't get in a rhythm because we're not practicing. We're not playing. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. That's got to be a distraction to a coaching staff as well. Right. Do you think just simple health, as you've been saying, fixes this, or do you mm. think that it's got to be, and it, there's got to be some sort of attitude. Cause I remember five talking about Mike Malone and I was going to tell, I was going to kind of cut him up, but I'll let him go. But I was saying Mike Malone, I forget when it was five, but he called his team out like three or four weeks before the end of the year, Chris. Yeah. And he was like, if we're going to play this way, we're going to get our, we're going we're gonna to be losing the first round. Right. And you never really see Willie green do that in a presser. Chris, do you think that he should start kind of doing that moving forward and holding more people accountable? Do you think that will make maybe a change moving forward? Holding people accountable on a national stage, in my opinion. Um, Did it work for Stan? Well, hold up. The way Stan did it, he called them high schoolers. Like, you, you can't say no, that. No, no, no. You can't, you can't do that. Mike, you can't, the way you Mike can't. Malone did it, Mike Malone was like, yo, we can't be doing this. This this, this type of effort is not acceptable. So, wait. We have to change. So, they could call him out. So, so he got to call him out, but he can't say what he want to say. That what you said? All right. Yo, why, why that bother you so much? I called you a high school. So what? Like. I mean, no, you either do you think that's a player you either want to hit this shit or not. Yeah. Like, I mean, why would you think it's a player? Well, do you think it's a player problem then? Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, it's a it's a mixture, dog. Like, you know, okay, if if Willie does it now, like so they say they say in leadership, if if you're gonna be militant, you gotta lead that way out the like out the gate. Because if you wait too long and you're you know, you know you're holding hands and you know and, and consistently putting a you know pat on the back. 
over time, when you do come out and you decide to be, you know, aggressive with your message, it's not going to be heard the right way. You know what I'm saying? Or or if you're strong enough, it's going to shock some folks. I'm not. I I think for this team, it got to come from the locker room. That's just me. I don't I can't. You know, I would be down this path. Really, I think we've been down this path. There's nobody in the locker room. We've been down this path. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so what? So what are we talking about? Like, I I would hope it can't hurt. To answer your question, no, it can't hurt. But um, Willie's message alone is not gonna is it's not gonna go anywhere if it's not leading anywhere. It's and they care about listening to it. So you know, or if it's not something that's constantly being done, and we're not, you you know, you know what I'm saying. So to me. From what from what we know, from what we've seen, so on and so forth, it got to come from somebody or a group of people in that locker room slash people leading by example. I don't know if the coaching staff alone or Willie Green alone is enough for this current group. Yo, we know we know Bobby Porter's break jaws. He be eat, he be eating them built balls. <laughs> Nico, right? Yeah, ask Nico. He he broke that that bearded Eastern European jaw. He was ne- Nico never the same after that. But Man, um, Nico. I'm sorry. No, nah, he had that. He had the knuckle residue in his beard. That's why he was trash when he oh, had the beard. Knuckle residue, it's crazy. Yeah. But yo, crazy. I, Justin, that's, I, I got, I got, I got to push back here, bro. Because your face. yo, I can't wait for this. Yo, bro, like, like, come on, like, <laughs> like, yo. What do you mean? Let, check this out. All right, Brandon came back the end of January. So from the January to April, this team was unable to practice. They couldn't get no breakfast. They all the planes was late. Uh, they ain't have no hot water at home. All because Zion was out. They couldn't do nothing because Zion was out. They can't. They they why 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 they played the game at all? They might as well just punted all the games because like Brand Zion's hurt. Brandon just stay home. Don't even worry about it. Yo, come on. The dude did a bad job. Like like he did a bad job. Cause I. Do you think he did a okay. bad job, or as a whole staff, they did a bad job? I, they they did a whole staff, but I mean, they ain't all the head coaches, you know. Sure. Like right. he got a, well, the staff did a bad job. But Willie, I'm using Willie Green as the name, but the staff in in entirety did a bad job, right? That's what I'm saying. Like the Zion thing, kind of to Ross's point, it's like I right, Zion was out, but like damn, y- y- y'all lost ten games in a row. Brandon was here for some of those games. Then y'all, you know, you came back, you got beat by 40 points by the Lakers. Then, like, you know, it was it was just a lot of things that went on that was just like this ain't really got nothing to do with Zion being out. Y'all can't practice because Zion not here. Okay, just adjust. It didn't like they really implemented Zion into the offensive scheme when everyone was healthy. You didn't really see points Zion until BI went out. So okay, just go back to what you did last year. How come you never went back to what you did last year? Same players here. Yeah. Why, like, why you just didn't go okay. back to that? So it's just like, it was just an organizational failure. Credit to the, the roster. I think yeah. Brandon, all them dudes, they they round the turn at the end of the year and really did their thing, almost made it, almost, almost counts. But, you know, they they did their thing. But, yo, it's just, it was it was a failure from the top down and the roster kind of, they kept it from going like this totally bottoming out. But, yeah, all that practice shit. Like, nah, 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 nah. It's 14 other professionals on this team. You can get a couple open runs in on Wednesday when, you know, whenever y'all practice and do that. Like, it is like, I'll be watching them interviews. Them dudes gonna be sweating when they come and talk to the media. Them dudes be in uh, playing, uh, playing the Wii. Doing doing the weird Wii. shit. Them dudes gonna be in there uh, running no sets or nothing. Them dudes be in there uh, haircut looking fresh. 
just be like, yeah, you know, we playing tomorrow. Da, da, da. Like, it just, man, man, Willie got to step up, bro. I don't care who on the floor next year. Coaching staff got to step up. This should, this should have at least been a 45-win team this year with all the parity they had in the league. In the you West. Know, if, they, if, if they have another underperforming year, do you think Willie Green's seat is hot? And David Griffin's seat is hot? I think this year on fire. I think Griffin will be. I think Grizzle C would be a little warm. Yeah. Like uh it's 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 hard to for me. I, I'm gonna give Chaz this. I agree, I agree to this point, right? Like Zion is out for sure. You have to have other things that you implement in the game plan. Like you you that 10 game losing streak, if you just lose, hell, if you lose seven of them, you're in the playoffs. Yep. Right. So like might be a six seed. Yeah, yeah, I think you're a six too close to a six seed. Yeah. yeah. So so like if you think about it that way, I do think that you know, like to your point, right? You see to both of y'all's point, you see Jonas is still on the roster, you underutilize him the majority of the year when you could have played to your advantages the same bully ball, two seven foot type lineup that you did when Zion was out, because technically the only player who was missing is Zion, right? Yeah. You right. literally will be going back to the same formula. At yeah. that well, I guess point. you were missing Jose, too. But still. But that he, was, he didn't get hurt until later in the year, though. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. still, when did Jose get hurt? Like late February, early March? Yeah. But still, like, Toledo's point, like, you, you, you had a formula that could have worked. You just went away from it. I don't know if it was, like, to... To Jackson's demise, I don't, I don't know what the point That's was right. to, but you know, it really, really, really pissed me off to be honest. And in a post game presser, I think Trey Murphy had again like thirty some points, and it was like the second time, like back to back nights, he had thirty some points, and there was a question asked, and said like, you know, you know, when y'all decide to you know feed Trey, is it like deliberately or just you know just in the flow of the offense, and it was said. Like, no, he gets his kind of just through the flow of the offense. And then if we see him hot, then we'll run something for him. That is egregious. You talking about the best shooter on the team? The best shooter on the team. And you know you <laughs> lack three-point shooting. Yeah. And you don't even attempt to get more shots by running plays. That That is my issue. That is my issue. I don't, and I don't think that's like a salvageable. salvageable. I can't that, talk that, that. that was it, salvageable. Yeah. That was, like, I, that's not a thing you can just run over bro you can't gloss over that and i and i think people you know when they see it like ah well, they don't run place for trey cool no that's not cool that's not that's not cool at all who do we run place for no. cj mccullum we ran plays for we brandon. run the elbow action 30 yeah. times a game when brandon or cj comes off the little iverson screen and then it's, go it's gonna be a lot of people that watch this and they and they go and they go say hate they go see a lot of hate but i think they're like i think the problem is that you gotta call it how you see it. You gotta be accountable, especially if you if you're like all of all of y'all are in positions where y'all are media, right? Like you you want somebody to be truthful and honest with you about what you're saying and how you're saying it. And like it's not all sunshine and and, and puppies and shit. Like sometimes, like yo, you gotta get to the bare bones of the situation in order to come out through the other side. And I think that organizationally, when Griff said we're going to look at this situation from top to bottom. I think that he was actually saying the same thing that we saying. Yeah. We hope well so. Said. 
Close it off on that. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Sunday show presented by Company Burger located 4600 for Red Street. We will see y'all on Wednesday night. Way. It was a finger roll of anything. <laughs> that, that, that's a dunk.